I've been forgiven. My future's in heaven. So we just get to praise God for what he's done over and over and over and over. And there's coming a day, my friends, real soon when uh, we get to thank him right to us. Well, we get to thank him to his face right now because we get to come boldly before the throne of grace. And so let's do that right now, okay, before we jump into the word together. Father, in heaven, we thank you for giving us your son, for demonstrating your love for us by offering your son as a sacrifice for our sin. Lord Jesus, we thank you for not holding anything back, sparing no expense, giving it all, laying it all down. I thank you for your complete submission to your Father's will on our behalf that we benefit from through salvation. And Holy Spirit, we would be lost without you had you not come and opened our hearts and our minds and shown us um, our sin and brought light into the dark places of our souls and brought us faith to believe so that we could be saved. So through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're giving you praise today, God, for all that you have done. And we're asking you to continue that work right now, right now, as we open your word, that you'll enlighten our hearts, that you'll bring healing today, that you'll bring strength today, that you'll um, bring hope today um, as we talk about this deep subject. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And um, let me just start with this. Have you ever heard this saying that life is about 10% what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it? You ever heard of that? How true is that, huh? Well, four hours are uh, in context for what we're going to talk about today. This is what I want to add to it. Life is about 10% what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it and whether or not you can accept the 10% that is happening to you. That's what we're gonna be working on today. We're in week three of our series, Coming Forth as Gold. And we're talking to Christians, and we're trying to get our minds around the fact that if you are a genuine, born-again believer, if you're a true child of God, if you have a desire to serve the Lord with all your heart, the harsh reality is um, you're gonna suffer. We're gonna suffer trials. We found out last week that those trials are going to be many, they're going to be multifaceted, and they're going to be multicolored. And um, the question we've been asking the last two Sundays is, will you and I submit to the trials and the testing? Were you willing to submit to the process of gold refinement that God has in store for you, or will you find yourself in a place of resistance? Will you refuse the work that God is trying to do. So let's go back to our theme verse, um, which is Job 23.10. I'll have it on the screen for you. You can start making your way to the book of Hebrews. That's where we're going to be this morning. But Job, after experiencing all the hardship, all the suffering, all the pain, all the anguish, all of the grief of losing all that he had lost, came to this conclusion in Job 23.10. He knows the way 
that I take. I, I hope that as we've been going through this, that you're finding some hope in that, that he knows. That has been a strength to me. It's been a help to me. He knows. He knows the path you're on. He knows the way that you're taking right now. Nothing is surprised to him, hasn't caught him by surprise. He totally knows. So he knows the way that I take. He knows the path I'm on. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. So question, who is doing the testing? Thank you. It's impolite to not answer a question. If somebody asks you a question, you're supposed to just answer it, you know? Okay, so let's do that again. Who is doing the testing? God is doing the testing. God is testing me. God is the one who has allowed this to come into my life. Hear me, God doesn't make everything happen in our lives. God doesn't do everything that happens to us, but God allows everything to happen. All these horrible things that happened to Job came at the hand of Satan and those that Satan was using to bring that devastation to his family, but God allowed it. And he said, Job's perspective was that God was testing me. So he recognized this. The question is, do you recognize that when things happen to you, do you recognize two things? He knows the way that you're on. He knows the path that you're on. And he is testing you. Do I realize that? I have to ask myself the same question. Do I realize that these things are happening and God is allowing it? Well, I hope you're in Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna, that's where we're going to be today. Hebrews chapter 12 as we go to a whole other level on this thing of suffering. And I want to show you something um, from Hebrews 12, verse 5, um, about what is happening in your life. Whenever God is bringing the testing, I want to explain to you from the words of the writer of Hebrews um, what God is up to. Okay? You ready for that? You good for that? Yeah. All right, let's go. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation um, for this portion, and then I'll be in the um, English Standard Version the rest of the morning. Okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? I'm gonna stop for a second and just... Okay, so your brain went to the same spot mine did. Um, ever heard of that? Ever heard of any societies, like whole societies, that um, the father never disciplines their children? Well, something touched my heart, just blessed me, because that's not true of this place. Um, watch this little video about what happened yesterday. Yesterday, watch this little video. This ain't cold. This ain't cold. Smile for the camera. All 
All right, how many of you know that it was 19 degrees yesterday morning? And uh, these Trail Life dads are bringing their sons out to um, the wilderness out there and, and enduring the pain of the, of the um, cold weather and the snow. And uh, they found out how to make um, maple syrup yesterday. And then they went on a hike. And what are these fathers doing? They're disciplining their sons. And you're like, well, I didn't see any spanking going on. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? What they're doing is they're training their boys. And they're like, they're like, <laughs> I love that part where the dad walks by and he goes, it ain't cold out here. It ain't cold out here. You know, he's like driving it into their heads, you know. And then the next dad comes by and tells the kid. The kid's like all bundled up, you know. It's freezing. I smile for the camera, son. <laughs> What are they doing? They're training their kids. They're, they're, the, world might, the world might call that like child abuse. But what do we call it? We're, we're, we're training young men to be men. They're raising up men, and I'm so thankful for that group, that whole group that's involved in that trail life. This is what our boys need. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, are you listening? We need to be serious about training up our children the way that God wants us to train them up because the world's going to need some men and they're going to turn to the church for them. You wait, you wait and see. All right, that's enough of that. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined his father? Me. If God doesn't discipline you, verse eight, as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Hmm. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. God bless them. But God's discipline is always good for us. Are you listening? Is everybody listening? Wake up. If you haven't woken up yet, wake up right now and listen to this. God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, afterward, when it has done its work, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Yes. And the word discipline, I underlined it through all, out, all throughout that. The word discipline in this passage means to instruct or to teach or to train or to, as Job calls it, to test us. And we've been learning that God tests us with trials and the goal of the testing is to strengthen our faith, which strengthens our endurance or our staying power so that we are prepared, so that he can, it can do the work it's supposed to do because he's preparing us to be equipped to do the work that he has for us, the plans that he has for us. Verse 7 tells us that we just read that everyone in God's family will be disciplined in this way, and the discipline is from the Lord. Job said it when he has tested me. So the question, will you accept this, child of God? How many times do we resist? How many times do we say, I don't want any discipline? Well, then you're an illegitimate child. That's, what that, that's just what that said. You're not a child of God because he disciplines all of his children. Will you embrace it? Will you accept it or will you be like the person that might be sitting here today who says, yeah, well, 
I don't want to be trained by the Lord's discipline. What if I don't want to go through the process? What if I disagree with God's parenting practices? I think he's a little too harsh. I've seen what he does to his children. What if I go kicking and screaming all the way? What if I just refuse to submit? I don't want to go through the fire, so I'm just going to refuse to submit. Well, that's not going to go so well for you today. Um, The message today is entitled, The Downward Spiral of Refusal. And a lot of what I am talking to you today is comes straight out of my heart. It comes out of this passage. We're going to go right down through this passage and work on it. Because I have been caught in this downward spiral myself. And my heart is broken for any of you who are stuck in this downward spiral right now. And the goal today, even though this message is going to go down into the depths, it's going to be a dark message. I've kind of been depressed that I have to preach it all week long. Um... And so I'm going to take you really deep. I'm not going to. The writer of Hebrews is going to. He's going to take us really deep. And then I'm going to try to pull us out of it at the end. Okay? Deal? I'm going to give it my best to pull us out of that dark place. The downward spiral of refusal. Today will act as a warning, actually, to all the children of God who either have in the past or are about to reject the discipline or reject the testing or reject the refining fire of the furnace as we've been talking about. And I'm gonna jump right into the, the message notes right now with this because the first thing we're gonna start with is that refusal to submit leads to dislocation. Refusal to submit leads to dislocation. But before I go there, write this down somewhere, okay? Write this down. Trials and testing can lead to discouragement. Anybody want to testify to that? Just kind of raise your hand and say, yep, I've been there before. Okay? If you notice, though, the underlying word is can. Trials and testing can lead to to, to discouragement. It doesn't mean that trials and testing must lead to discouragement or will lead to discouragement, but they certainly can. I have been there before not just once, multiple times, where the trial comes and you're just so, you, it just gets you so down and so discouraged. If you don't get your head right at that moment, you will begin a downward spiral that you do not want to go into. Right there at the moment of the trial is when you need to get with God and you need to get your head, you need to get with some people of God if you can't do it on your own and get into the word of God to find out about what he's doing and how you can get the proper perspective on your trial or you're gonna spiral out of control. And that's what this is all, this message today is all about and is going to describe that spiraling um, path that you don't want to take. And so look at verse 12, Hebrews 12, 12. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. There it is. There's the discouragement. Um, Your Bibles might say, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Do you know what he's talking about? You're fine. And then a trial hits you and it discourages you. And what happens to you? Feeble arms, 
weak knees. When you see a person whose countenance is feeble arms and weak knees, do you have to ask them what's wrong? Do you have to say, if you see somebody like that, don't go up and say, hey, how's it going? Don't make them lie, all right, because they're not having a good day. When you see a countenance like that, and what, what the scripture is telling us is lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. This is not the outcome God desires from the testing that he puts his people through. And so he says instead, look at verse 13, make straight paths for your feet. So making straight paths is gonna straighten you up and take care of your feeble arms and your weak knees. That actually comes out of Proverbs chapter four, verse 26. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from evil. In other words, if you don't take care of your discouragement that comes from your trial, you're gonna go down into a place you don't wanna go and it's gonna lead you to evil. It's gonna lead you to paths of unrighteousness instead of the glorious harvest of righteousness that God wants to produce in you through the trial. That's what we've been working on the last couple of weeks. We're searching the passages, we're searching the promises of God to strengthen ourselves through the testing and through the trials. One of my go-to passages when I get really down, and um, it actually, God brought it to me in my normal reading through the Bible in one of the darkest times of my life. (laughs) And it's almost like God has a a sense of humor with some of this stuff, because I was really, really, really low, really, really, really deep. And like I often do, I was reading through the proverb of the day, Um, and so it was Proverbs 24, 10, and this is what it says. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And I'm like, well, that's a big fat encouragement, God. (laughs) But wait, because in my Bible that I was reading in my Bible study Bible, this is how it went. If you can't handle adversity, you're a poor specimen. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, wow, okay. But you know what? I mean, the Lord knows how to speak to each one of us, right? He knows exactly what we need. And it was almost like I I was getting smacked upside the head in the middle of my pity party where the Holy Spirit was saying, come on, suck it up, cupcake. Don't you understand that you possess all the power, all the strength, all the grace, all the glory of God himself in your body to handle this trial that you're going through? Straighten up, Phil. Strengthen your feeble arms. Strengthen your weak knees. And get on the straight path. That's what it was here. That's what I was hearing. He'll be a lot nicer to you. (laughs) And the deal is, God is at work here. That's what I heard. Strengthen yourself, Phil, because God is at work here. You're not alone. You're not left alone. You're not in the middle of some despair. God is at work in you. Strengthen yourself, Phil. And it isn't a denial of reality. Hear me, okay? It's not like, oh yeah, that's your Christianese stuff that you got going. No, it's not. 
It's called having the proper perspective on your trial that, by the way, the world cannot understand. That's why you'll, you'll go through something and you'll, people will come to you that aren't in, in the family and they'll say, how in the world are you doing that? And your answer should be, I really don't know. Because on my own, I can't do this. Here's what I know. The Holy Spirit is helping me. I possess the Holy Spirit of God because I'm in Jesus Christ. Yes. It's not a denial. All discipline is painful. And the stuff is hard. But if you refuse to submit to the path he has you on, Look at it. Don't miss it. He says you will suffer dislocation. Look at verse 13. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not put you out of joint, but rather be healed. So that what is lame may not be put out of joint. The lame in this context is the son or daughter of God who is undergoing the trial or the testing. That's the lame thing that is in this passage. Trials are painful circumstances allowed by God to change our behavior and to change our character. And it's painful. And what this is teaching us is that if you refuse the process, then it's going to have a crippling effect on our lives going forward. The trial has come and we've got to make a decision. Do you remember last week we talked about the pressure? And you've got to stay under the pressure. The pressure is come. It's in the form of a trial, and God is putting the pressure down on you, and we have a decision we have to make. Am I going to remain under the stress of the trial? Am I going to submit to the pressure, or am I going to escape the pressure? You're either going to submit to it, or you're going to try and get the benefit, or you're going to try and escape, and this writer is telling us, and really hurt yourself in the process. Listen, God wants us to come out on the other side healed. Did you see it? He wants you to come out healed from this. And he might cause some laming during it. It might, it might, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt. But would you agree with me that God knows exactly how much pressure and where to isolate it in order for you to get the greatest benefit? Amen. Do you trust God for that? Just nod your head and make me happy, okay? Balcony, nod your head. Everybody, please, nod your head. You can trust God in this trial stuff. He's putting the pressure down. He knows exactly how much pressure it takes and where the pressure points are in order for you to get the greatest benefit. And if you try to escape it, what this is saying here, you're feeling the pressure, it's harming you, it feels harming, you know, it's, it's hurt. But if you try to get out from under it, that pressure doesn't, God doesn't see you squirming and go, oh, okay. The pressure's on, it's coming down, and if you try to get out from under it, the pressure, you're moving, and the pressure will cause dislocation. That's not what God has in plan for you. You might know somebody like this. God's goal is that you will be healed in the process. He never intends for you and I to go down the long, lonely road of discouragement. Because if you do and you stay there, that discouragement will cause a dislocation. We only get there, my friends, when we refuse to submit. I mean, how many Christian cripples are out there? 
How many Christian cripples are right here in this room? How many Christian cripples are watching online because you wanted out from underneath the pain? And your refusal is causing permanent long-term damage that will only get worse if you don't stop the process of the downward spiral. Because look at the next thing that happens. If you, find, if you get a dislocation, your dislocation leads to bitterness. Look at verse 15. See to it. Now, can I just stop there for a second? I just want to stop and say this. You and I are supposed to take care of each other. You are my family, and I am your family. And family sticks together in hard times. They don't run away from each other. They don't avoid each other. They get in and help in the time of trial. Families are supposed to draw closer in hardship because, according to this verse, we're supposed to see to some things for each other. See to it, he says. I mean, how many times have you been in a place so dark that had you not had the family of God, you would still be in despair to this day? I have been there. Had it not been for the family of God to see to some things for me and my family, um, we'd, be, we'd be broken a whole lot more than we are. This is why life groups are so important, so vitally important in this place because this is where we see each other suffering the trials and we can see to some things for each other and help people get through their trials of life. Look at verse 15 again. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Notice that it doesn't say see to it that you don't fail. We're supposed to be watching out for each other in the trials that we we experience. See to it that no one fails to obtain, that no one misses the grace of God as we look out for each other. Now what does that mean? Missing the grace of God. Does it mean that we're supposed to make sure that all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, as, as they go through their trials, don't lose their salvation? Is that the, is that the biggest response that I can get out of you? Is four people. That is not true, okay? It's not like if you refuse to submit to the discipline, you're gonna fall out of grace. How do you know that, Phil? Because we have spent so many times, so many messages talking about eternal security, talking about that if you're in Christ, you're in Christ, okay? So that's not what this is talking about. In fact, you wanna see what it's talking about? Go back, if you want to, to chapter four of Hebrews, verse 15. Chapter four, verse 15, excuse me. Let me show you what he's dealing with here about this missing the grace of God. Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. He's talking about Jesus here. Not able to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you see that? In our time of need, we're supposed to come to God. We talked about this last week. We're supposed to cry out to God. Are you anxious? Bring it to God. 
You got a problem, you're in need, come to God. Remember we talked about if you need wisdom, ask of God, he'll give it to you generously. And so when we're in trouble, we're supposed to come confidently before the throne of grace and receive mercy and grace. Okay, hear me, listen to me. If you are in refusal mode on your trial, you're like, no, Lord, I will not submit my life. I will not submit my emotions. I will not submit my future. I will not submit my ministry or my family to the testing of the fire. I refuse. If you won't submit your soul to your faithful creator in the middle of your trial, as the scripture tells us, or you won't go to him and pour it all out to him, then you forfeit the mercy and grace that is just waiting to help you in abundance to get you through the trial. In short, you're on your own. And when that happens, something called a root of bitterness will spring up in your heart and take you down. Look at it. In verse 15. See to it, here's another see to it. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Your refusal to submit to the process will bring more trouble onto yourself than the trial itself, and it will spill out onto everyone around you. That root of bitterness comes from a reference in Deuteronomy 29, 18. Look at it. Beware, lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Who is that person? Here it is, verse 19. One who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. That's a bitter person right there. The trials and testings come, and they say, I don't want it. So I say to myself, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. I hear what you're saying, Phil. I hear the word of God, but I'm gonna go back to my car and I'm gonna say to myself, I shall be safe though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the Bible says. I will never be okay with what is happening to me. In fact, if you tell me one more time to rejoice or try to find some righteous purpose in all this, so help me, I'll... Can I tell you what you are? You're bitter. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Your disappointment, follow this now, your disappointment has led to a dislocation and has caused a root of bitterness to spring up in you You may not even be aware of how bitter you are, but I promise you, everyone around you does. In fact, you might be sitting very close to someone right now who is just praying that you will hear these words. Because what's more discouraging than living with a bitter person? But if you don't fix it here, it gets worse. Because this is only the beginning. Just wait till that root turns into a tree. 
Not only will you bring more trouble on yourself, but you will defile, defile the people around you. And the writer of Hebrews said, and it will be many people around you. Do you know what that word defile means? It means you'll pollute everyone around you. Or you will corrupt morally everyone around you. Do you see that? Do you know what that word defile is used to describe? It's used to describe demonic activity on the earth. This is an extremely destructive thing to have in your heart. And it all came from your refusal to submit to the trial that God is allowing in your life. And so now you have spiraled down to the depths of bitterness and you're dragging everyone else around you into those dark places. And you'll take them even darker to the next downward spiral, which is that bitterness leads to immoral or godless living. You know this to be true. You've seen it in others. Look at verse 16. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. This next level isn't just going into sexual immorality, which it defines there. It's actually referencing godlessness, which is much deeper and much darker than sexual unfaithfulness. This is actually referencing a holistic unfaithfulness to God, a holistic unfaithfulness to God. And they reference Esau. I don't have time to get into his whole story where he wanted to, he, he sold his birthright for, for a bowl of soup, right? Because he was just starving but Esau was not a godly man. Esau was worldly. The things of God did not mean anything to him. He was a, what's called a natural man, an unholy man, a common man, a secular man. He was not a man of God. He was a man who lived to serve only his own pleasure and his stomach. And the message for us in this is see to it that you aren't like this. See to it that your brothers and sisters don't get to this point. See, there's some things way before this point so that they don't ever get here. To refuse God's work in your life is to refuse God himself, and you don't want to be in a place like that. At the end of the day, the proof of your conversion is found in the life you and I live. The Bible says faith without works is dead. You aren't saved, hear me now, okay? You aren't saved by your works of righteousness. But your works of righteousness after your salvation is proof of your conversion. It's by your fruit that you will know them. Not perfectly, right? We're all going to struggle with the pain of the fire. Not perfectly, we've been talking about this, but increasingly. But my friends, if you don't submit and you refuse God's work, you may fall into the final spiral, which is the most heartbreaking of them all. And that is that immoral living leads to rejection. Verse 17, for you know that afterward, when he, and he's talking about Esau, desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent though he sought it with tears. I'm gonna be honest with you. 
I have, a, I have to study this a whole lot more. I, I really don't exactly know um, what this means. So when I'm not sure about a particular passage and what it's saying, I look to other passages for clarity. I don't just try to come up with what I think it is. I look for other passages that are clear. And hear me loud and clear. The word of God is clear that once we are saved, truly saved and in Christ, our salvation is secure and it's not because of works of righteousness that we have done that secures it. It's all the work of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that brings our security. But what we're talking about here is some downward spiral of a person who refuses the work of God in their lives, whether they're saved or unsaved. We know that Esau was not saved. We know that Esau was not a man of God. And Esau is the one that we're using here as the example that because he refused God, he got to a point where he tried to repent and he couldn't find a place of repentance, though he sought it with tears. Here's what the Bible says about these people, whether they're in Christ or out of Christ, and they get to this, this point of refusal. They get to this, this bottom down here. Matthew 10, Everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Genesis 6, 3. My spirit will not strive with man forever. 1 John 5, 16, we spoke of a couple of weeks ago. This is speaking of the Christian who refuses God and is unfaithful to God. Sometimes they get to a point, a Christian will get to a point where there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying that you should pray for those who commit it. We're at the bottom of this right now. We've hit the bottom because this is as bad as it gets. For some, it's too late. And you're like, don't say that, Phil. I don't want to hear that. It's never too late, Phil. It's never too late. Well, I have to say this to you because the warning is here. For some, it's too late. You can resist and rebel and refuse the Lord to the point where God himself is not working on you anymore. I just got to tell you, my heart is so broken for, for, for some of you because I know I know that the Lord is knocking on your heart and I know that you're hearing his voice because you tell me that you are and that there's something inside of you that keeps saying, not yet. Not yet, I'm not gonna submit to the Lord yet. I still wanna hang on to some things. The reason my heart is broken for you today is because you may not have tomorrow. You can get to a place where God will say to you, you think your way is so great? You think it's better than me? You think you know what's good for your life? You don't think I know what I'm doing? Okay, 
You go ahead. You pursue your own way. But just keep this in mind. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end leads to death. The warning is clear. And the good news is that even if you're in that low place of refusal right now, it's not too late for you. You know why I can say that? Because you're here. You wouldn't be here if it was too late. You're here. And God is long-suffering, and he's merciful, and he is full of grace. And because you're here, it means that you're hearing the call, the call of God today to repent and to turn before it's too late. Today, the scripture says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You've got to do it today. Don't think you have tomorrow. The fool says in his heart, I've got tomorrow. If you still care, if your heart is tender at all to the Lord, then I plead with you, get on your knees and humbly repent of your stubbornness. Repent of your refusal to allow God to do his work in your life and do it today. Don't waste your life chasing your own selfish pursuits. Run to God. Run to the place of submission and embrace what he is allowing no matter how painful it is to embrace it. Because we sang it this morning, he's God and he's good and he loves you and he has promised to bring good out of your, pro, out of your situation. He's promised to bring healing through the pain. but only if you'll submit to the process. Would you just bow your heads? Just don't put your stuff away. Just bow your heads right now. And I just want you to reflect on your heart before the Lord. It's just you and God right now. What is the painful process that God's using right now and has you in right now to shape your conduct and to shape your character? What is it? See it in your mind's eye and ask yourself the question, am I, am I fighting against it? Am I fighting God on it? What is the trial that's been occupying your mind? What is the hope that you've not yet realized? What is the burden that's in your body right now? Or what is the burden that is in your family right now? What is the burden that's in your career right now? That you're just wrestling with God over right now. See it. And now, my friends, everyone, this is you and God. With a humble 
and contrite heart, even if your heart is confused, talk to God about it right now. Tell him, tell him something like this. I'm going to stop running from it. I'm going to stop refusing you, Lord. I give up. I'm going to submit from this point on to the process. I'm going to embrace it. Because I know you're a good, loving God. I realize, and I'm going to say out loud that I realize that you've allowed this for a purpose in my life, and your work isn't finished yet. So I'm done with the resisting. I'm done with the refusing. I'm done with the rebellion. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for thinking I know what's best for my life. I'm sorry for my stubbornness. I love you and I trust you. So help me to embrace the pain. It hurts, Lord. And you know the path that I'm on. So help me. And help me get on the upward spiral of hopeful, righteous living. I'm turning back to you right now. I'm turning back to you right now. Today, right now. That's our commitment as we leave this place today, that we'll commit and submit all of our days to you because you are good. And we trust in your goodness. We trust in your holiness. We trust in your wisdom. We trust in your sovereignty.
We trust in your plan, but we need your help. Does everybody agree with me on that? Yes. We need your help, Lord, because yes. this life is hard and it's gonna get harder. And so strengthen us now. Those that are in our midst here that have spiraled out of control, bring them back out of it today, Lord, I pray. Yes. Restore and renew and heal. Strengthen our feeble arms and strengthen our weak knees and put us on the right path. Amen. We wanna walk it out for you, Lord. Yes. Because we are anxious for the things you have planned for us to do. So bring strength and help to my brothers and sisters here. I thank you for them. Protect them from the attack of the evil one who's gonna try and steal this seed of truth today. He's gonna try and steal it away from them. Don't let that happen, Lord. And would you help us? Can you guys do me a favor? Can you just like do a 360 in your seat and just look at everybody in this, in this place? Take your time, just look at everybody. Look at all these people. And when you turn around, everyone's got their back to you, right? What I want you to see, what I want you to see, this is your family. And let's spend this week, okay? If we know that our brothers and sisters are struggling, let's see to some things for each other this week. Let's not be like, I got my own problems. Listen, it is greater to give than to receive. And it is in the giving that you will receive. And so let's reach out to each other and let's help each other and let's see to some things for each other as we go. Start it right now on your way out the door, okay? If you see somebody with feeble arms and weak knees, get behind them and straighten them up. Say, come on, brother, come on, sister. I'm here to walk beside you, I got you. to bring some strength for you. I love you so much. Thank you for your patience this morning. God bless you as you go.